Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hello, everyone. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur. I don't know about you, but I've spent much, much, much period of time of my entrepreneurial journey trying to find good salespeople. It's a huge frustration just finding good ones who are well-trained and understand how to build business in a consistent manner. Today's guest has built a company around how to train people from all walks of life to be top flight tech sales people. Matter of fact, he's doing so well, they just raised a really nice A round. I'm really excited to talk with today's guest and to learn more about how they're going about training people and how companies like mine and ours, you know, you listening, can bring on these salespeople. So without much further ado, let's welcome the CEO of Uvaro on the heels of his new A round financing, Joseph Funk. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Wow, Joseph, so excited to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much. I mean, you have such a great background, and I'm so excited to dive into your experience and everything. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Likewise, I'm looking forward to the conversation, AJ. This will be a blast. Cool. So as an entrepreneur, we, you know, I like to say it's usually this kind of up, down, left, right, center, crazy journey that goes in the big sense, the direction I hope it goes, but day-to-day, however, where do you see yourself with the success of Yuvaro and how it's growing? Where do you see yourself on your own entrepreneurial journey? It's so fun because if I, I zoom in, in many regards, I, I think I'm, I'm out in the hinterland. I'm like, I've never thought I was going to be here. What the heck is going on? But when I when I zoom out and I think about that cycle of entrepreneurship, what I want to accomplish in life, the impact I want to have, it oddly feels like I'm exactly where I intended to be. And it feels like I'm right kind of on the middle of that journey. But it's so hard as an entrepreneur to see that pattern when you're caught up in the day-to-day details. So uh, it always feels like a split answer to that question. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I think at times it's like, oh, I'm starting to recognize patterns, but I'm not sure if that's a good or, you know, it's like, wait, am I, is it the good patterns I'm recognizing? But like, there is that, okay, I can breathe a little bit more into the process. Yes, that's exactly it. We we just announced a Series A for our latest company, and congratulations! Um, thank you, thank you. We're in the middle of that chaos of like, hey, push it on on LinkedIn, on Twitter, follow up a journalist, all that fun stuff, uh, and that's a blast. But it always feels chaotic. And I had a really refreshing conversation with one of my team members earlier, where uh, he was commenting about like, wow, how do we how do we get all of these details? How has this all worked out? And realizing, oh, you know, actually, it's just been that we've done this a couple of times now, and it gets a little bit easier each time. So you can stretch yourself further each time. So as a result, it always feels just as chaotic, but you're actually accomplishing more. And that's a reassuring thought. 
<laughs> more effective utilization of chaos. Okay, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a cool concept. I mean, the stretching part is it's a great mental image, but I think I'm going to like really you know, play around with that. It's like I always look at like how effective you are at doing something, and that's your understanding of progress. But the utilization of chaos gain to accomplish more, I think, is such a cool. That's a cool visual. I mean, without a doubt. <laughs> It's, it's a fun thing. I've always always been a really big fan of... So from a musical perspective, I'm a really big fan of jazz, a little bit more new music. But that idea of when you've got an amazing musical piece that feels like it's just on the verge of falling apart, that's where really exciting new ideas and experiences come from. And when I think about my entrepreneurial journey, it's true. I could just do the same thing I did last time and probably get better results, but mm -hmm. then I'm not growing and the team's not growing. So we like to play with those edges and push the boundaries and push ourselves. And sometimes you fall, but then other times you surprise yourself with greatness. And that's such an amazing experience. So are you finding the edges in areas where you previously had difficulty or failed? Or you know, what are the edges for you here that you're seeking out or you're finding a fund to rift off of? Absolutely. I mean, definitely those areas where I've struggled in the past, there's a lot of areas where it makes more sense to hire great talent, you know, hire people who can do that better. But even that on its own is an amazing edge to, to play with. A, a good example, our last company, we had a fractional uh, head of finance and that was very, very successful, but we recognized there was a lot of systems and processes that we probably could have done better. And so now at a similar stage, we're making that call to invest uh, heavily in that role and we're, we're actively hiring. So if anybody's listening in and we haven't finished hiring and you know, great VP finance, yeah. you know, send them our way. But even that challenge of, Hey, now I've got to hire a world-class head of finance. I've never done that before. And so even in that areas where that's not my area of strength, we need to hire for it. I still need to accomplish you know, new things. I need to learn new things. And I think it would be an easy thing to just treat that with a cavalier attitude. Uh, my co-founders and I, we we tend to take it a little bit more deliberately and, and try to say, hey, even this exercise, how can we be excellent at hiring a VP finance? And so we always see those opportunities as, hey, push our boundaries, do the best we can, and try to bring our A game. It's interesting because you're really describing an intentional process, really focusing on that intention. That So are the edges also, are you using a way of looking at the past and say, okay, the past business... Is there a process you go? I'm stuck on the edges because I just love that concept. <laughs> I'm going to, sorry. So that may be something that I say a, a bit. Sorry, audience. Do you intentionally, as you move forward, look at those edges and look at other opportunities? Do you have a process to kind of dive into that intention? I'd say it's less about a, a process about identifying edges and more about a process about defining scope. And when you do that, that helps identify the edges really, really well. So whenever we're embarking on a new product, a new project, a new process, any any significant initiative, sorry, that's a lot of, of nouns, but let's give some concrete ones. Um, we've uh, recently been launching some new, new pricing and packaging. So that'd be an example. Launching a new version of our product, building a new team that we haven't had before. So each of those were, were concrete recent examples. One of the things that we always do before we even kick off a project like that, kickoffs often involve all of the stakeholders who say, here's what we want to accomplish. Here's what we want to do. Before that, before we do a kickoff, we take the minimal founding team 
and have a planning session. A good way to think about it is let's set the agenda for the kickoff. And that's an oversimplification because what we're really doing there is saying, hey, what's worked in the past? What hasn't? What questions do we want to put on the table for conversation? What questions do we want to deliberately exclude from the conversation? And as a result, what that lets us do is it lets us focus the kickoff. We cover all the processes we need to, but when that free-form conversation comes up, we avoid spinning our wheels on things that could just be a distraction, and we get more fulsome conversations on difficult questions. And so our team, our executive team, our kickoff teams always get to spend meaningful time on really difficult questions. And that invariably helps us push our edges. I like that because there is a lot to talk about, like setting the negative state, what you won't do or what we won't do or what we won't stand mm -hmm. for, et cetera. And I like that concept, but I like the way you're talking about it because that makes it more actionable. Because I think at times stating a bunch of things and then hoping kind of drifts through the process, but stating it at the beginning of each setting you know, into your kickoff is interesting. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deep because I know a lot of our audience, we sit there in similar things where I think there's a tendency of entrepreneurs to rush to get things done. So this process you're talking about, I think, is really kind of interesting because it sounds very much like you are strategically pumping your brakes a bit to make sure that the outcome is stronger. Is this something you developed over time? Is this something you're using from another source and just making your own? Where did you, this process come out of? So I'm thinking through because I don't know if I've ever, ever actually really thought through where did this process come from because it's, it's been synthesized from so many sources. I like that. One of my earliest mentors, you know, talked a lot about how, you know, common ISO processes, you know, ongoing continuous development, Six Sigma, all of these things come from that simple framework of kind of planning, doing, checking, changing, plan, do, check, change. It's a cyclical process. And one of the things that we identified early on was that this is going to sound really glib, but meetings are often crap. <laughs> you get a bunch of people together and you know, talk and you don't get anything out. So we've always been really deliberate at saying, how do we make our meetings better? And one of the types of meetings that are often not fulfilling, we use the euphemistic version, not fulfilling, are kind of project kickoffs. Because you get a bunch of people together, it feels like a really expensive meeting because you've got so many voices, everyone talks around an issue. And, and, and all you did was you came out with a to-do list. <laughs> you came out with more work. And as we've worked as a founding team, as an entrepreneurial team, I'm so blessed to have repeat founders that we've done this a couple of times with. We've continuously refined the way we run meetings and that idea of spend the time, whether it's an individual, a small group, to plan for a big meeting. So you go in with a really robust plan and gets evolved organically and I mean, we're not the ones who invented this. I mean, you hear groups like Amazon and Jeff Bezos saying, hey, the six-page memos is yeah, a way to start the, the meeting. Pizzas, the, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. We're not real. I wouldn't say that we subscribe to like a specific method, like a six-page memo, but rather that go into each meeting knowing what the outcome needs to be and then prepare for it accordingly. Sometimes that's a bunch of memos. And yeah, we've, we've run executive offsites where there was a handful of memos to read. Sometimes it's actually coming in with a list of specific questions that need to be answered. Sometimes it's bringing a specific demo or a customer story or a video, but you're just being deliberate and you're not flying by the seat of your pants before you go into an expensive meeting. Because we do that as entrepreneurs. We're like, hey, 
we want everybody to be around the table. We want everyone on the same page. And so we bring a big meeting together and that's a, a lot of time. And that time can be used more effectively with a little bit of planning. That is, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, sorry, you had me thinking about all the meetings and like the frustrations and all that. So it's like, wow, I'm going from the coolness at the edge. This is like a good jazz session. We're just going to bounce around here a bit. <laughs> yeah, I do think that effort is interesting because I know some of my own, you know, my current businesses, we really are trying to become more effective with our businesses and understanding how we can use our time. And I think that is a good to set that as a core concept around what you're doing is pretty cool. Now, you talked about looking for the edges. You talked about the process of like working on meetings, setting the kickoff structure. These are all really, really impactful things as an entrepreneur to kind of dive into. What do you see as sort of what has been the biggest impact on your own entrepreneurial journey? someone you met, a mentor, you know, process, what has really had a huge impact? I, I wouldn't say it's one single event. It's actually a series of very similar events. If I think about what's been most impactful for me, uh, I'm lucky enough that I've run a few companies. So I've got five startups under my belt, some exits, some wrapped up. You know, we, we were talking about before the show, it's like increasing and improving success over time. So I've, I've gone through it a couple of times. I have had the misfortune of losing friendships through that entrepreneurial journey. You know, folks that we've co-founded companies with and then parted ways, not on the best of terms, people that we've hired that were friends, but then weren't friends afterwards. And as entrepreneurs, it's really easy for us to think we're right, everyone else is wrong. Because we're challenging the norm. The way my industry did this before is wrong. I've got this new way to do it. Hey, the, the way a company was run was wrong. I've got a better way to do it. Hey, the way I choose co-founders or, or separate with co-founders or separate with employees, they're wrong. I'm right. It's such an easy mental trap. And having seen a couple of situations where that didn't go well, I was really forced to look at myself and kind of say, hey, how much of this is me? You know, versus the the people that I'm partnering with. And I mean, the reality is it's easy to say it's me. It's easy to say it's them. The truth is always somewhere in the middle. And so taking the time to actually pick apart, what did I contribute to that negative outcome? What did they contribute to that negative outcome? And then really trying to adjust my own behavior. I think those negative experiences are actually what help, have helped make me a better entrepreneur, but also a better leader because this stuff is always intertwined. I think a better family member and a better father and those are tough lessons. The mirror is never kind, but they're, it's good to do. No, that is a great concept because even having had a little bit of success here on my own journey, the ego inflation is so readily, while you may be beating yourself up for nothing being ever perfect, there's so much posturing and ego inflation going on. The fact that you have had these successes and you're using that, you're using the more painful aspects of our journey as an entrepreneur, because yes, those are losing friends and good relationships over the years is, yeah, that's kind of the part I really, really, my own mistakes come first, but then second is that like, these were good people who mm -hmm. are just gone, which is sad when they were so important. Do you work with a coach? Is this something you just kind of pulled together on your own? Because I've worked with a coach called Jerry Colonna, and that's a big thing. Looking in the mirror, he actually 
makes you read different poems, <laughs> or he did. I don't know what he does now. It's been a bit. But like, how did that kind of, that realization to kind of look at yourself? I'm a huge proponent of, of good coaching, good mentorship. And I have been so privileged that some of my early mentors really have been professional coaches. And so I got a lot of that through my own network. You know, the two that come to mind, family is a great asset. Uh, my mother is a successful entrepreneur and a remarkable coach in her own right. One of her business partners through a previous firm became one of my mentors. Although it wasn't that kind of formal coaching relationship, those same conversations came up through our relationship. And I was fortunate to have those kind of guiding hands early enough in my career to you know, tee me up well for those conversations. And so, yeah, every time we talk about executive coaching, uh, business coaching for a founding and a management team, big thumbs up because it's such a valuable skill to have. And it's not just about finding the right coach. It's also about being in a coachable mindset. That's tough. Yes. As someone who has forgotten that, you know, and oh, this waste of, you know, I'm, I need to be working on the business and then going later, like, what did I just do? That is cool. I like that. I've been going through Yuvaro and, you know, hearing what you've been working on yourself and how you've been kind of working on your own journey. I want to say how impressed early, yeah, you know, before you even shared that with Yuvaro and just the concept. Now, even hearing a little bit more, it kind of helped a bit because I was like, wow, I felt like there was just a little bit extra in how you've positioned Yuvaro than I see. And not that I've seen similar sales, but I've seen ones with tech developers or I've seen internships and whatever. But your voice is a little bit more on point. And I know that's very ambiguous, but it just spoke to me better. So listening to your efforts on your own journey, I could see how much of that came in. What I find interesting, and I know the main focus is helping people become salespeople. And that's a really cool concept you're doing because of the need for better salespeople. But I think given that I'm a business person and our audience here is very much focused on growing their own business and building a sales process and finding the right people is a consistently top three problem we hear. I would love to learn a little bit more about ways that, you know, some of the people who are using the program as businesses bring people in, and then maybe we can kind of like how a business could approach you. Like, since we talked about being in the right mindset for coaching, let's talk about then the right mindset to be a customer. Always happy to. Uh, I think you, you hit on something really interesting early on with that comment. Our business is not exceptionally different from what some others have tried, especially in the tech space. But I think the ethos of it is dramatically different. We're very, very driven by helping all of our members achieve long-term career success. You know, we don't just see it as they get a job and, you know, our hands are washed and we're done. I think about the privilege I've had of the, the mentors, the coaches, the support I've had to achieve the outcomes I aspire to. And we dream about delivering that same type of relationship to all of our members. And so that means there's big goals, a lot that we want to do. So today, what we do, we're quite successful at, but it's still just a small sliver of our ambitions. Today, we help folks who are in non-tech sales roles. So typically they come out of retail, hospitality, maybe travel and tourism. So you know that looks like 
you know, that really experienced bartender that you you see at your favorite restaurant or the flight attendant that you see on that, that same flight you've been on. These are professionals, you know, they're in the late 20s, early 30s often. We've had members as young as 18, as old as 70. They're looking to change their career because they're not feeling fulfilled. And yes, we deliver the technical training, like how do you sell? How do you use technology? How do you talk about tech? But we also spend a lot of time helping them align their search so they can find something really fulfilling that matches their needs. And we introduce them and we pair them with tech companies. And the result is that the individual feels more fulfilled and achieves more success. And when you have a sales rep who's achieving more success, the business is achieving more success and sees better retention. So it's a win-win for both sides. And we focus on technology sales today because the bar is so low. People don't realize it. Tech sales, the average tenure is a year and a half. So I mean, turnover is exceptional. Only 70% of reps actually achieve quota because there's so little training. Less than 2% of colleges and universities have any sales training. So that bar was really low. And we started there because there was so much room to improve. And we've had huge success. So loving every minute of it. Could you maybe talk about some of the businesses you know, that are using your services and sort of what that process looks like? And then let's talk a little bit about how someone coming new into... Yeah. So typically when a company is coming to us, they're coming to us for kind of one of two situations. You know, If they're in an earlier stage or a smaller company, they're saying, hey, I need to hire a, you know, an amazing sales development rep or account executive. Can you help me find the one person that I need for my team? Maybe it's two people, but in specific search. So a good example, one of our, our partners in this is an Australian-based HR software company. They're publicly traded there. They were coming and opening up in North America and they needed to hire folks who could sell into the North American market and new, new business unit, new function. And so they came to us and we took their job posting, but interviewed their team. What's the culture? What's the sales motion like? Who are you selling to? What's the ideal buyer? And with that, we could create a job profile that's way more rich than just a job posting. And we bring it to our members. We give that company a feed of talent because we're graduating people every month. Here's the latest grads. And uh, they only pay a fee when they hire someone successfully out of that. So it's very much like a recruiting service. Yeah. I like that model. That model helps. And what's interesting is you call them your members. So, you know, that ongoing effort, and I assume that includes ongoing support training, you know, to help them grow their career. So a lot of ongoing training and support. Uh, So for example, this afternoon, I'm running a session digging into some of the more recent trends that we've seen in the the SaaS industry uh, around financings, growth, direction. And that will help them in their sales activities, but also in their career journey. So we run a lot of sessions like that, but we also provide a lot of kind of advice and and the community itself provides a lot of that. I'm sure you've been there. Folks listening in have as well. You know, you're you're working on running a deal or you're you're about to have a difficult conversation and you need help, but you don't feel safe asking your manager. You know, maybe because of the power dynamic or you're on a pip or the it feels like something that you should know, so you're a little embarrassed. Who do you go to? And we see our community handling that so well because this is the peer group. A good analogy, we heard somebody say, my father did an MBA and talks about his class all the time. They grieve together, they celebrate together, they ask for help, they job search together. I want that network. And that's what we're giving our members. And we've seen the gamut. Like, I think we do some great training and I think we've got some great people, but 
we see members dealing with things like deaths in the family, immigration issues. I mean, things that are just so challenging that you can't do that as just an individual uh, in the group. Uh, so it's it's amazing that we get the benefit of that network. I think also increases your overall value as a business. Not that that's the important thing, but yeah, it is that concept of like you're finding a way to bring ongoing value, which means you have a longer opportunity to communicate with them and to bring them into new opportunities that may arise over time. So that is cool because we've had a couple of guests who are trying to move away from that typical, let's put give you a body or let's give you an X service. Let's instead kind of give you a team person who embeds within you, but then is also part of a larger circle. So I like that you're moving forward with it. That is very beneficial. And I could see someone like myself as I've gone through hiring, knowing that, okay, I'm a good marketer and I'm an okay salesperson. I'm more of like, let me just get super excited. And 20% of the people I talk to in business like that I geek out is the way I kind of look at it. So it's like, I need people to find me that 20% as my closing. But it's like realizing that my sales managerial skill set is very lacking, you know, as a business owner. And it's something that I do try and work on, but it's not something I live. So knowing that there is this opportunity to have this ongoing coaching, ongoing support within the structure, I think is really pretty. Would yeah, I think that is going to now since I've been, yeah, you know, I've already been going through your forms and everything. I really do think that's something that could help a business owner like myself kind of take a deeper breath and go, okay, yes, I don't have to be a genius at doing this. I just have to work and find someone who can work with my madness. So that is really- And and we see this. We we see businesses do this regularly where they say, hey, maybe I've just hired an SDR and they need more support and hands-on coaching that I can provide. Uh, And so they put them into our program as a way to level them up. And- that happens regularly. And it's hard when you're hiring one person, it's hard to compare. Even when you're hiring two, it's a challenge to compare. We see with the companies when they're hiring people every month or every quarter, we get this really stark comparison. How do the Uvaro members do versus their direct hires? And that's one of the things I love about sales. It's a very black and white thing in terms of success. And we see our members ramping in a third of the time and they're twice as likely to exceed quota. And that's good for the company, but it's great for them too. Like, What a great validator when you can see that success right out of the gate. That does kind of bring a interesting question and not to kind of move down your product roadmap, but what happens if I have salespeople who are not Avaro and I am bringing on Avaro? Do you have plans to kind of have a continue education program, if that's the right terminology? <laughs> Oh, no, that's it's an absolutely great question. Uh, so right now, our program is really well-suited for people that are looking to move into SDR or so sales development rep or account management or account representatives. Uh, so that idea of a kind of a junior to intermediate sales rep, that's where our, our training and our network is strongest. Today, we do have companies that have existing employees that they put in specifically at that level. We don't yet today have programming at like a management or uh, enterprise account executive level. But part of the benefits of raising a series A is we can roll out programs like that. So I can't comment on you know, dates and timing, uh, but yes, you will see more programming from us to help our members because they're 
they're growing and advancing too. And so we got to stay, uh, you know, one or two steps ahead. Yeah. Cause I noticed in looking at the form to start a discussion, there was like what type of role. Yeah. And there were some more senior type roles listed as, Oh, are you looking for these? So that I was curious. I understand you may have people, existing members who have grown up the ladder coming. What back. we do see, and I, yeah. I should, I should make sure that I'm, I'm not misrepresenting. One of the things that we do often see though, are much more experienced account executives or sales professionals from other industries who just really want to make a career shift. And the tech industry is not welcoming. Good example. I can think about one of our members who was very, very successful in the construction industry. You know, the Atlanta area, very successful, saying, I want to be in tech because it's the future. And every tech company kept saying the same thing. Well, you got to start in this junior 30K role. You got to do your time, you know, put in, put in the effort. When you've got a family and you're, you're already that level in your career, that's a huge step backwards to take. And when you can go through a program that teaches you the lingo, opens up doors, you know, helps you kind of walk the talk, uh, you can make that transition easier. And yeah, he stepped into his first tech role north of $170,000, you know, comp, like just a great way to slide sideways in at a more senior level. Because at that point, what we're doing is we're helping with translation. You know, we're not necessarily helping with the fundamentals. He has those. It's about just translation. In looking at this, you know, it would be very interesting to kind of see what you find. What do you find really interesting could be about the sales space, it could be about training, or it could just be anything right now. I, I always love to hear sort of what entrepreneurs are finding interesting right now, because that's kind of the thing that we're keeping in the back of our head for like, okay, where can we go down the road? What are you finding interesting right now? What's really piquing your curiosity? Uh, I mean, it's it's totally couched in the nature of Yuvaro's business. So I mean, it's, it's hard to avoid that bias. Uh, but <laughs> All of the social upheaval right now, you know, whether you call it the great, you know, the great resignation, Nation, the great reevaluation. Yes. I mean, these demographic changes. I think what folks are missing is that we had a period of societal development where where groups like unions played a specific role. You know, there was a, a specific problem with the way employer worker relationships with and, and unions played a real specific role in managing that. What we're seeing is we're seeing a new set of problems a new set of whether you want to talk about the inequalities or the contract dynamics or any of it, we're getting this really clear flashing red warning sign that something is not working. And there will be something new to help close that gap and resolve it. And we're in a world right now where we have gig economy businesses that are kind of stretching the one end, and we have really lucrative careers Stretching the other end, and at some point that elastic is going to snap back. And so for us, we pay attention to it a lot because our members are going to get caught in the middle. And so we think long and hard about what the services we need to deliver. But also at that same time, whenever you have a massive societal or economic realignment, there are really cool entrepreneurial opportunities. And so I think there's a whole ton of businesses that are going to be established and wildly successful in this new world of remote work, split work, more empowered workers. There's a ton of stuff in there. And I can't wait to see what happens next because we haven't yet imagined what those businesses will be. No. And that's kind of the fun right now. I mean, really looking at as a joke, I always joke, I became an entrepreneur because I got, I maxed out back in the early version of words. So I won't say how old, but I maxed out the uh, version number count 
of my resume. Um, (laughs) It just wouldn't, yeah, because I was, yeah, like I had revised it so many times in the same document. It just wouldn't, yeah, it was like, okay, uh, something tells me I'm not a very good candidate. I needed to go to Uvaro, but that led me to like, oh, all right, whatever. I, you know, I've been talking all this and I've been doing these jobs as freelancers. So why don't I just go do a web shop? So I like that consideration of the importance of the employee is something, you know, um, employee led or employee focused is a concept that's becoming more and more prevalent in successful businesses. And I think that's something we're all trying to learn. As you look forward, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, you are really focused on what you do with Yuvaro and the success of Yuvaro. But how do you look to your own success? How do you define it? Do you go through any processes? Yeah. What is success for you, Joseph? Yeah, it's it's such a good question. And I, I think about this frequently because it often comes up often when we're, when we're hiring, when we're recruiting, when we're going through that, you know, folks want to know what does the CEO care about? Cause that'll drive what the company does. And when people look at my LinkedIn profile, they'll see, Hey, I founded multiple companies. I've typically sold them, you know, in that kind of three to five year window, you know, what's the plan for Uvaro? And it's that pregnant pause. <laughs> Are you going to sell this one too? My wife and I uh, made the crazy decision. We we found so I founded my last company just as our first kid was born, and then we founded this company just as our second one was born. And we both agreed that yes, <laughs> I'm not allowed to found any more companies until the kids are out of the house. So when we founded Uvaro, uh, we wanted to pick a problem space and a business that was big enough and interesting enough to keep us busy for at least a couple of decades. And if we think about helping people achieve lifelong career success, wow, there's not a, there's not a lot of bigger problems. So we're, we're pretty pumped about this. So for me, when I think about the success of the company. It really is about the, the number of members that we can help, the, the size, the scope of the impact. We have members who write blog posts like Uvaro saved my life. We have, you know, members who reach out to us and say, well, you're not in the sales training business. You're in the life changing business. It's like, wow, you can't make those. Like, it's just. <laughs> So that feels that really good. It's funny. I, until Uvaro, I don't think I, I ever would have said I can find personal fulfillment in businesses on their own. I've always had a lot of other things I enjoy doing. Ever since I was 16 when I wrote it, I've got a list of things I want to do in life. I mean, like I guess now the phrase bucket list is the thing, but I steadily try and cross things off. And it includes everything you know, from really ambitious, crazy things like you know, you can complete the Iron Man. Uh, like that... That'll be daunting. I got to train a lot for that. To uh, like silly things that I just want to experience, like you know, enjoy a really, really good espresso in a cafe in Paris. And for me, when I think about personal success, I annotate, I list the experiences that I want to experience, the interesting life I'd like to lead. And actually, knocking some of those off would be uh, is my measure for it. I imagine at my funeral, someone saying he he had a a life well led. That's for me what success is. That's a wife, a wife, great <laughs> for audience <laughs> up there. A wife, well, well, a good wife is definitely important in this, but a good spouse in any situation, a good partner. But a good life is the best outcome from our own entrepreneurial journey. And this is to be an entrepreneur is not important, but to use it as a framework to live a better life. Yeah. And 
doesn't get any more direct than that. I'm going to try and reflect on that a bit. And I think that's something we all can, because I think we all get caught up in the X, Ys, and Zs, the did I make this? Is it worth this? Is my revenue, my customers, blah, 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 blah. Does this allow me to live a better life? Am I making the people, my stakeholders, their lives better? Yes, that is very important. If the listeners want to engage with you, other than going to uvaro.com, or is there anything specific you would like them to do? If the folks listening are entrepreneurs and they're struggling with that whole, how do I hire sales talent? Uvaro.com slash talent is you know where they can get access to that. So always happy to, but I'm also accessible. I'm on most social media, like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram is Joseph Fung, all one word, and always happy to connect with other entrepreneurs and founders. It's always a real joy for me. So please reach out. Cool. We'll make sure in the show notes, we have yuvaro.com. We'll have your social. We'll have everything there. I would love to, you know, maybe down the road, talk to you a little bit more as you expand, but also just about this process. Cause like I said, this is, I am going through over the next few months, my own building of a sales team. So, uh, this is something I think was really useful to have this conversation. So I look forward to, uh, hopefully continuing this conversation, Joseph. Absolutely, AJ. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yuvaro is really cool and I can't wait to see what happens. Thanks. We'll chat soon. I love episodes where you get to um, laugh because the person you're interviewing is just such a warm, great sharing person. I mean, talking with Joseph here was so much fun. Humble, smart. It was very, very cool. And just the twin concepts of sort of looking at how to structure the chaos that's part of our business and you know definitely part of the entrepreneurial journey. I mean that's such a great way of looking at it and realizing that that's an opportunity. I don't know about you, but I sit and tend to grind my teeth so much when I'm dealing with <laughs> the chaos that happens 24/7. So really just thinking of repositioning it and then definitely twin concept of, you know, like jazz, following that line into where it sort of breaks, the music starts breaking. And that's the place where you then sort of put your effort, do your improv. Yes, I am not a musician. Yeah, I do love listening to jazz. While I'm not going to be <laughs> playing any good jazz, I definitely will be trying to use Joseph's concept of playing into that space because that's where the cool, fun stuff happens. Cool, fun stuff as an entrepreneur is what it's all about. It's how we create this magic. So, wow, two cool things you know I've learned, and I think you know we should all explore a little bit more about. So, look, Joseph was so kind to really dive into Yuvaro and to share how these people are going through the sales training program and the value they bring to companies like ours. So, if you are looking to go higher salespeople, go check out uvero.com. I'm definitely going to be adding that to you know my efforts as I build my sales team. And so definitely looking to uh, do more with Uvaro soon. As always, go check out beyond8figures.com, sign up for our newsletter, go listen to past episodes, check out our socials. Once again, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And I can't wait to speak to you again. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. 
Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.